0: to take another 15% off of this course, and uh, we can't wait to see you there. After a long hiatus, Agile for Humans is back, everybody. So we hope you've all been safe and well, and uh, things are all right in your part of the world. We're going to come back with some new episodes, some new types of shows, and uh, some new information as we go forward here. What we've dropped in today is an episode of Craft Brewed Agile. So, Craft Brewed Agile is a Semi frequent, but not too often, type of show where we get together with agilists in the community, hang out, and have a pint. You might have heard, I think we did a craft brewed agile a while ago with the Liberators that we published. This one is with Don McGrill. So, myself, Todd Miller, and Don talk about the, the new Scrum Guide 2020. This is one that I've been really excited to release to all of you. We're also, you're, what you're going to see, if you go to youtube.com forward slash agile for humans, Uh, You're going to see some brand new shows. Your Daily Scrum is a daily YouTube video where we answer your viewer questions about Scrum. Craft Brewed Agile is there. Past podcast episodes are there. You're also going to see some conference talks and a lot of other content that Todd and I have been putting together. Now that we're running Agile for Humans as a professional Scrum and professional Kanban training company, a lot of things about our book, Fixing Your Scrum, is up there as well. So we hope you check out youtube.com forward slash Agile for Humans. But here at long last, here's a new episode for you to check out. This is Craft Brewed Agile with Don McGrill. We're talking about the 2020 Scrum Guide. Now that the dust has settled, let's really dig in and see what's there. Uh, no hype, no nonsense, just straight-up discussion and a few nice beers. We hope you enjoy it. Leave us some comments. Let us know how you're doing and what we can do to serve you going forward. But rest assured, Agile for Humans is back, and we will be getting some episodes to you on a more regular basis. All right. We hope you enjoy this one. Check it out. gentlemen craft brewed agile how we doing of course the title here says uh, scrum guide 2020 so i think this is like one of the most appropriate times to grab a beer right after the launch of yeah. an scrum guide right so congratulations coach. well done scrum
1: Cheers. happy birthday scrum
0: happy birthday 25 years old it's yeah. finally finally maturing a bit that's pretty nice right so of course the, li- the viewers just let me before the comments and the tweets that come in yes i'm drinking gatorade mm-hmm. I cannot drink for a while. Um, If you're curious why, send me a message. But Todd and Don, what are you guys drinking? Why
1: don't you go first, Don? Well, I figured I'm in Dallas. And and I wouldn't say I'm like a huge... I'm a a big beer fan, but I'm not like an aficionado. But this is a very popular uh, one here in Dallas and and around Texas. Maybe probably beyond. It's Deep Bellum Brewery, and I'm drinking their... their, their, Where is it? Deep Bellum IPA right now? Awesome. I I didn't know how long this would go, so I kind of... I bought a <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? And uh, I, I bought a selection of their finest here. Uh, they've got. They also make something called the uh, Dallas Blonde, uh, a little Light. bit lighter, maybe for later. Uh, the uh, easy, easy peasy IPA, <laughs> and then their uh, Mexican one, Nito Bandito. Oh,
0: there it is. Very. These na- are all
1: deep alum ones.
0: So Don will be taking a nap. Uh, uh, Continue
2: yeah. without me. Yeah, <laughs> just leave the camera on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> is this Don? You and I have had beers a couple times. I don't. I don't think this is the first time I've seen you with a cooler. <laughs>
1: Probably not. Or <laughs> a professional uh, <laughs> company. I may not bring my cooler with me. <laughs> yeah, Very good. Cool.
0: Todd, have you? I think you yeah. have gone to the to the mm-hmm. top of Mount Craft Brewed and yeah. came back down with one of the thought after craft yeah. news in the country tell us yeah. about
2: it. so yeah i'm doing the same thing don's doing like it's going this it's better, way. It's <laughs> so this is a this is a heady topper uh this is from the alchemist in uh in it's stone vermont actually originated from waterbury vermont um, but uh super good double ipa sweet uh, yeah it's pretty good. it's pretty awesome so pretty stoked to, to awesome. drink this beer and talk about scrum guy 2020.
0: And I'm, pumped. I I love the Gatorade G2, so I'll be, uh, I'll be mm. drinking that.
2: Better
1: than the G1, I hear.
0: I hear that too. I, Big yeah. improvement. Big improvement. It's just slightly lower sugar than the regular, but uh, all good stuff. So guys, of course, um, I think based on LinkedIn and Twitter, there's about 37 meetups happening tonight. There's over a thousand different blog posts summarizing the new Scrum Guide. So of course that means something got released. Um, I don't know about you guys. I am like. I'm happy, like normally when the guide comes out, you know, you'll see a lot of, ne- I'm not even seeing a lot of negativity. Like, it's pretty amazing. Like I love this version of the scrum guide. What do you all think?
2: I do too. Um, and I, you know, I think to kind of categorize, like one of the big things I like about it a lot is the fact that it's less pages. Yes. Right, it's moved down to less pages and a reference for why, uh, one of the references there's no longer the three questions for the daily scrum as an example. Does yeah. this mean that we finally get teams to turn up their daily scrum, the heat on their daily scrums and make them uh, more of an inspection adaptation and uh, and really making the work well-known kind of event, right? Rather than just focusing on the mechanic. I'm sure we've all been through it, right? Uh, I did this yesterday. I'm going to do this today. No impediments, right? It becomes really flaccid. Um, so hopefully this will uh, supercharge everybody. Uh, and I, that that was just an example that I thought of for for the West pages taking that out, which is what's <clears throat> funny yesterday yesterday during the event, I was asked um,
1: what what um, what makes it less prescriptive. <clears throat> and I started rattling at things off that came to the top of my mind. and it, it, more things just kept coming up. So like the three questions that you mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. the fact that canceling a sprint was was uh, half a page in the old scrum guide in 2017 version. And now it's, I think, maybe a sentence or two. Um, Do we really need to explain the details of of what to do in that situation? (laughs) Um, It's in a situation that's so rare, it up that percentage of the scrum guide. Um, And then what other pieces were there? Um, uh, Oh yeah, the the product backlog items have like estimates and distributions distributions and values and all good things you should consider doing them, but- You know, it's just simply not as applicable. Um, yeah, there's oh the retrospectives. Great sure. idea is to put the action items from the retrospectives into the next sprint plan. You should all be thinking of doing that, but... Do you know. have to? <laughs> Do you have to? It's up to the team. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the fact that a lot of that stuff just got pared down and cut is really impressive. I think something that I'm not, you know, I, I'm being a little silly about the number of posts, but... I'm not that far off, but something that I haven't seen talked about a lot that I think is is going to get a lot of attention as people digest these changes is just the the clarity, right? What I really love about this, I mean, there's just such beautiful language in it. And that's not what the Scrum Guide has always been known for, right? I mean, Todd and I went through a book writing experience where our editor went through the, the, the 2017 Scrum Guide. She's like, guys, I got a bunch of changes for you. We're like, we are not showing that to anybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> we are not putting that into anybody. There's no way... Like it's not changing right now, but um, with this version, like there's just these beautiful sentences in it that that I think between Ken and Jeff and and the review committees and all the people involved, I think they've just done something really awesome. Like, and I'll give an example, right? Just the kind of language that I love. There's this line in there about uh, the moment that a product backlog item meets the definition of done, an increment is born. Like that is just, how many how many trainers out there? How many coaches? How many? Uh, scrum masters struggle to explain an increment, right? It's just this kind of ethereal kind of it's, 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 it's just, it's build. But when you give that sentence, it's like, that's a light bulb sentence. That's like, or a, even
1: the definition of done like, yeah. people have trouble explaining what that is too. And it kind of brings them all together. Is it done for the, like get PBI is ready. I still get that sometimes. Like what do we mean mm-hmm. by definition of done Definition ready, but yeah, it brings them all three elements together, right? The PBI. Once it achieves done, then you have the increment. So we've got like product backlog items from one increment, one artifact, um, and then using a commitment to the increment in order to create the increment. So it's like all three in that one sentence.
0: Yeah, I I just think it's such beautiful language. And it finally, it ties a lot of things together. It's made things a lot more clear. Um, And they did it through subtraction, right? They didn't didn't decide, well, let's make it 50 pages so things are more clear. It's like, no, let's parse it. I, I just the language, the simplicity, the, the, the loss of some I, I, loss of pages. I think it's just to me, and it, this might be controversial. I'm not sure. I think it's the best version yet.
2: I think so too. And, you it know, Don, like you, <laughs> <laughs> Apple, yeah. you, you mentioned the word clarity, right? And Don, you said definition of done how many times as a scrum master, as a trainer, uh, Don, you've been a product owner before I have as well. Um, that people said it's a de- definition of done optional. Right? And it's all over definition of done sprinkle we're all over uh, the scrum guy 2017. But people start to ask you that, right? Because it's not an official artifact. This notion of commitments provides such awesome clarity to the fact that in a product backlog, you have a commitment to create a, a product goal. In the sprint backlog, you have a commitment for a sprint goal. And, in the, um, and with the increment, you have a commitment for the definition of done and i keep thinking of clarity i think of focus i think of the enablement of empiric the further enablement of empiricism with these commitments so i'm jacked because i have always said the definition of done is not optional it is absolutely mandatory and we felt the same way about sprinkle we wrote about that a lot in our book so what do you think about that stuff Don?
1: yeah that's that's huge. And and um, I mean, I think, you know, you guys know, this has been through a few uh, revolutions and, and you guys all got a chance to give feedback on the scrum guide, as did I. And and that was one of the early issues was the, the concept of a product goal, which maybe we'll talk about later, but was starting, it was like, okay, this needs to be in it. But then we had the sprint goal and we had definition of done and we had the three original artifacts. And then it's like, well, what do we call all these things, right? Is there, are there now six artifacts? That's getting a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, these things that used to be artifacts, artifacts, and, and then there's also a new one being introduced. So I think that was a good solution. You, mm-hmm. you don't touch the original artifacts and really what these other things are, are just ways like kind of like a finish line for each of the existing artifacts. And I think that's a that's a solution that just made didn't make any enemies out of it. It was, <laughs> it, it kind of, everybody was sort of like, okay, yeah, I can see that working. And it gave a home, like, because even as trainers, like we know, do, do you capitalize definition of done? Or actually, you know, you lowercase the definition, you capitalize the D and you put the done in quotes. And this made it simpler. Mm-hmm. Now it's an official thing in the scrum guide. Mm-hmm. It's capitalized. There's no quotes. There's no done. It's, it's the definition of done has a place now. And same with Sprinkle, same with uh, Prodigal. So you know, little even little things like that just made makes our lives easier as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as a coder, like it to me. I've always wanted to capitalize it. In fact, I want to like caps lock and write the definition of done because of how <laughs> important it is. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's you're literally talking about the common understanding of completedness on something, right? And uh, and it, you can have that if you're a development team of three people. You can have misconceptions of what that word done means, let alone when you're talking multiple development teams. So I'm, I'm that I'm so stoked about those uh, those commitment attachments, let's call them to the artifacts. I think that's I think it's pretty
1: yeah. And I've already seen on LinkedIn, you're saying about all LinkedIn blowing up, I had like 300 LinkedIn requests after the event yesterday. So it was just boom. Um, and uh, it, it, but you see it all over and I see I'm seeing all kinds of cool diagrams now on ways of depicting this inside, like a thing inside of an artifact or a part of an artifact. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of creativity and, and useful things coming out of the community.
0: Well, and, and it's amazing what happens when, you know, going in this direction, what it's doing is leveraging the Scrum values to describe Scrum. I mean, what a great. What a great take on it. I mean, mm-hmm. he's on to number two. What to you go, on Um <laughs> I think it's fairness. Could be. I
1: started before we started. So no,
2: <laughs> not that fast. And a double fairness, mine's <laughs> like almost nine percent. So
0: <laughs> That's true. gotta go a little slower, or else <laughs> this thing's gonna be done. In, but, <laughs> That's
2: right. The um, definition of done for Todd is chugging us.
0: Uh, <laughs> but but it is interesting, right? I mean they definitely could have gone in a different direction of just adding a bunch of new artifacts and adding and adding and adding and adding. And And the fact that they stepped back and just said, you know, we have this idea of commitment and and each artifact has a commitment that's attached. I mean, we've always taught that a sprint backlog that I I don't know about the rest of the community, but I know Todd, Don, and I, we've always said sprint goals are not optional, Mm -hmm. right? It's not something you just do or do not. It's, it, you will you will create a sprint goal as part of a scrum team if we're coaching you, right? Right. When it comes to a product backlog, Don the three V's of of product ownership. I think you and Ralph coined that. I mean, vision, value, validation. I mean, you you've always talked about some kind of greater goal for a product. Like there's Don's book, right? I mean, he he goes into this in depth. And so having the product goal, yeah. Oh, awesome! The Chinese or that's, the yeah uh,
1: Chinese. Oh, there's also a. Uh... Whoa, Polish, nice, Sweet. yeah, yeah, it's, co- it's cool seeing that. But sorry, yes, you're no,
0: talking no, about no. my book, yeah. Uh, but we've I mean, <laughs> already talked about the necessity of these things for years. You, you, you put it in the book with Ralph, Todd, and I, I mean, put it in our book as well that these things are just not optional. The mm-hmm. fact that they actually turned them into a commitment, not in a sense of you know, we're going to punish you, but a commitment as in it's a it's really a commitment to transparency, it's a commitment to. You know, being goal driven. I think, honestly, these things make self-organization simpler, right? If we have goals that we can work towards, teams can self-organize and that that's what we want. So I think it's awesome. They actually leverage the Scrum values to bring these things forward instead of creating a bunch of whole new things. Right. I I just that's it's just such a great uh, application of Scrum theory and principles.
2: Yeah. And Ryan, to your point, I think that those commitments really illuminate the necessity for a focus on empiricism, empirical pillars, inspection, adaptation, transparency, and the Scrum values, right? I, I I just feel like it really pulls it all together because I think some people have a hard time understanding how those tie together, how it all ties together. I think that it, it just, uh, it, when you read the Scrum Guide 2020, I think you inherently understand why it's really important, right?
1: I think so, yeah. And something else about that, as you're talking, it, it, it made me realize that, you know, there was something in Canada happened in in Scrum back, I think it was a 2013 guide where we moved away from committing to the PBIs to forecasting. Yep. It's a great move, it should be done because we've been seeing, you know, we see it all the time that Scrum is being weaponized and, and, you know, and once again, teams that were doing Scrum properly, this was never an issue, right? It's like, of course, yeah, we commit to PBIs off the backlog. But in certain, in a lot of organizations, this was being used for the wrong reasons. And, um, but then I, you know, I think the pendulum kind of swung. Like the word commit all of a sudden was a bad word anywhere. And I'd hear it all the time. You would say commit, no. you know, like, oh no, we don't say commit in Scrum anymore. Say, like, well, no, hang on. That's, that was just as far as like being able to determine exactly how many PBIs you can take off a backlog when so much is unknown, right? Of course, that's the wrong thing to commit to. Um, commitment is still one of the five values. So what I really like is getting back to that. Well, yeah, there's mm-hmm. commitment is a strong value and we commit to a goal. Like what good is a goal without a commitment to it?
2: Otherwise it's just another thing. Yeah. Yeah. I want to lose weight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> well, we, we, it's not we, a we commit to quality, right? So when you, when you're checking yeah. in code and you just copy and pasted it and it's messy and you just want to make it work, you should think, of, think it twice about it, right? Because you have a definition of done to uphold. And even if it's something as simple as. As uh, don't repeat yourself, right? Dry. Wasn't dry. Wasn't that? what Was that? Yeah, yeah. Nope. I mean that's <laughs> old school, right? Right. <laughs> <I just, laughs> <me>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's old school. Don't repeat yourself. Um, but uh, simple things like that. I mean, that th- that's the commitment. And why why shouldn't we be committed to that stuff? Like why? Yeah, I think we're all scared to use that word because you know the of the rocket launcher that has become velocity, right? I don't get me of down that path. How we're how we're always trying to combat uh, that as a uh, as a as a as a metric to gauge the uh, how how a team is doing or whatever. But I don't know. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So I
1: think it's a good use of it yeah. uh, for that. And and I think with this Scrum guide, you see a few examples of that where yes, it's less prescriptive, it's shorter, but it hits you over the head with a few of these things. Right? It's come back strong on things like commitment. Uh, There was another one I was looking at um, the other day. What was it? It was, um, Oh, I mean like the product goal, like you either, you either abandon it or, or finish it, right? Like let's, let's get some focus. So it it becomes almost prescriptive in some other ways when it comes to things like visionary sort of things like the goals or things we should be able to commit to. You
2: know, it's interesting. So you said product goal, um, one time early on, I, I, I was a product owner and during a retrospective, I had a development team. Brian's probably tired of hearing this, no. <laughs> but I had a development team member say to me um, that I feel like we are literally on a hamster wheel. We just keep sprinting and sprinting. Where, where are we going, Todd? Like, where are we going with this product? And I knew where we were going but I had not expressed the goal of where we were trying to get to. And now my goal at that point was a six month horizon, right? But I had not expressed it. And so the development team members just felt like, you know, we're we're doing a sprint and then another one comes and another one comes and we're just doing this endlessly. We have no idea where we're going. And so now that it's baked in there and however you wanna interpret it, I'm sure there's a a million ways that you could use the notion of a product goal, right? Uh, I think it's awesome. Because uh, after that, that's what I started doing. I started pre- um, creating um, product goals, you know, um, depending on that, like with different time horizons. You know.
1: Yeah, and, and as product owners have been using similar things a long time, like, mm-hmm. even from other aspects. Like we've been looking at, um, you know, like uh, you guys remember 4DX, the wig, the wildly important goal, um, and then Google's OKRs, objectives and key mm-hmm. results. Like, this is stuff that's been around in the product world for a while. And now, what Scrum has done here with the Scrum Guide is said, "Yeah, you should have one. We don't. We don't tell you how, which one to use, or how to do it, or if there's a template you should use, or anything like that. So that you need a goal, and it needs to be measurable. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of information already out there that that covers similar things. So, you know, like yeah, I,
0: I like your comment, Don, about how the, the guide is more concise; it's shorter. But we're coming back on some really important topics, and we're hitting them hard. Uh, there's one, there's something I wanted to show you guys that I'm going to put up a piece of the new scrum guide. I think it's, it's a change to sprint planning. And I think this is one of the the best changes in the guide. I, and this might surprise people that I would highlight this one. I think that this version of the scrum guide actually shows a lot of love to product owners. Right. I think this one really kind of amplified some of the things for product owners. Look, topic one, I think this is new. We actually had, we call out the product owner and say, why is this sprint valuable? You know, that can actually kind of tie back to a sprint goal, which ties back to a product goal. It takes teams off the hamster wheel. They know the impact or the outcome or the EVM metrics they're trying to achieve by doing the work. I think this is super important. And I think a lot of people will gloss over this, but the addition of this question or topic and the sprint planning uh, event, so critical, and it really flows into a, a lot of the things with product goal and sprint goal that we've been chatting about.
2: And, you know, with that too... So the cynic in in me today, I don't know why, uh, it thinks that if the product owner can't answer that question, maybe the product owner isn't empowered to the extent that they need to be. If the product owner says, I don't know why it's valuable. I was just told that this is what we should do next. Maybe that's a good sign for a Scrum master to step up and figure out what we need to do so the product owner can answer that question. Right? So I think there's a lot hidden and, you know, I think Don, you said it hits you over the head. Because you could read yeah. a sentence, and as PSTs, we could talk about this for a day, right? You give us a cooler, a beer, and a, and, and two sentences like this, and we can yeah. we can break this thing down for for days. But that, yeah, that's I guess what it, came to- it. Is another good example of that,
1: right? Where it's a mm-hmm. bit of hitting you over the head and it's saying, "Hey, product owner, you know, don't show up unprepared here." Mm-hmm. You know, so you should have. And this is what I would say in class all the time about yeah. sprinkle. It's we always mm-hmm. have to be careful. Should a product owner set the sprinkle? Well, no. But they, it's not like they should show up just empty headed, yes. right? Yeah. It's like, hey, I, man, I would love it if we could achieve this this sprint. This would be awesome. And they should show up with every bit of enthusiasm as they should. They love this product. and that's the beauty of scrum is that tension between the product owner and the and the developers now mm-hmm. is, is that they should be able to say, could we could we maybe get this done this sprint? And then the developers should be able to go, uh, I like where your head's at, but there's no way that can happen in two weeks or whatever the sprint is. Yeah. And, and that, they go back and forth. And and what they come up with, the goal that comes out of that is is awesome, right? It's, it's a built intention. I want a product owner to want more for their product. They should, they should be pushing, but the developers should be pushing back too. And, and that's mm-hmm. a joke. This is how Congress is supposed to work, right? <laughs>
2: it, and you end up with a solution that's right for everybody. Um, I know, too soon. Yeah, so you know, it's interesting because somebody actually just painted that parallel to me in a class. They were talking about uh, one of the things. That, so, this was the first time this person had, they put that they marked themselves as a negative 50 with Scrum experience. And one of their first observations across the Scrum team, which we should talk about next, because I'm dying to hear about your thoughts on some of that, Donna Ryan. Uh, but they were saying the checks and balances because of the accountabilities, right, between a product owner. Uh, developer and a scrum master of checks and balances like you're, you're like you're you're saying that's how congress is supposed to work checks and balances right and so it's, it's the same thing right um because ryan and i joke around when we're talking about product owners what's the song that we say ryan is the product owner song i want it now
0: yeah we're, 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 yeah <laughs> i want more <laughs> i want it now <laughs> that yeah, yeah
2: that's pretty good <laughs> do you like a banjo
0: there you go. I'll work on that while you guys keep talking. <laughs>
2: Brian's not drinking this one, so yeah. Yeah,
0: no karaoke without booze. So. It, it, give,
2: give Don and I about a half an hour right now. It,
0: it is interesting, though. I, I think the product owner kind of love is there. There's one other thing I want to put up for you guys. I mean, Todd, we can certainly hit your topic as well. I want to make sure we chat about this, though. We actually defined a product. We actually now have a definition in the in the Scrum Guide for product. Which we've never really had before, right? So this is—I uh, think this is a big deal because I—we get this class in every in every product owner class we teach. It's well, hold on, everybody. I know we're we're working on product. What's a product? And we actually have like we have something. We kind of—I mean, of course, we've always answered answered the questions in different ways, but we actually have something to kind of grab onto in the Scrum Guide and really start working on elaborating and kind of building out on. What do you guys think of this definition?
2: You make
1: me read it now.
0: Well, and I'll I'll read it for a a product is a vehicle to deliver value. So I think that's an important statement. It has a clear boundary, uh, known stakeholders, well-defined users or customers. A product could be a service, a physical product, or something more abstract. Again, So again, you're kind of hitting the product owner over the head a little bit like, hey, you're delivering value. It should have boundaries. And by the way, do you know who your stakeholders and customers are? I think really good reinforcement here, but it kind of gives us a definition we can start building on. Uh, yeah, we teach and train and be more consistent, right? Yeah, no, and
2: I also I was just gonna mention really quickly, I also um big notice here that it doesn't mention
0: software. Yes, yes, yes. We need to talk about that sorry. too. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, to cut you off, Don. No,
1: no, but that's that's an important thing, is we need to get into that no software thing. Um, but yeah, this this product thing is, I mean, I guess as a product owner. And, and we, have a, we have like a multi-page thing in our book about de- defining what a product is. Um, and my approach has been like, I, this is one thing where I wouldn't mind if they went even stronger with this in the Scrum Guide. Like I, I like to say, everything's a product. If you're doing work, you're improving somebody's life. The work each of us are doing and everybody watching it, the work you're doing is improving somebody's life. And, and so do you know who those people are? Have you met them? And the more you do, the more that vision becomes clear, right? And a goal becomes clear. And then the more you productize what it is you offer, you know, the world, I think, actually productize is probably a very capitalistic <laughs> word, but, but but that's the way we have to look at it. If you find yourself as part of a component team within an organization, your you know, database services or your QA department, right or wrong, you should think of what you do as a product. Doesn't mean it's a good product, but that product has a hypothesis. We've offshored all our QA. Okay, why? Right, let's 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 just take everything at face value here. Why have we done that? Well, what's the hypothesis? The costs are lower. Okay, so we if we do this, we expect costs to go down. So what are costs today? Where do we expect to see it? Where would we consider this um, successful, this whole initiative? Uh, how low do we want to get these costs for 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 quality? Do you expect quality to go up or down if we offshore the QA department? Up or down or stay the same? Right. So let's. What should we be measuring that then? If that's the hypothesis, do we? Why else are we doing this? Oh, well, then our our people onshore don't have to do it and they'll be happier. Okay. Well, maybe we should measure that. They don't have to do testing, therefore they'll be happier. Um, let's measure that. Let's prove the hypothesis. Maybe you're right. But everything we do should be looked at. If you have a team of people and a customer, somebody who gets benefit from it, you've got a product. Start thinking of it that way. And, and I guess it, it, the, the Scrum guy doesn't get to it that way. That's a bit of Don's definition of product. But, but I think that's where it is, right? It, it includes service, which is always a, I hear that a lot. No, no we're a service company. We don't we don't have products. Um, but my company is a service company. We do consulting services and we, we productize that, right? Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I like. I love seeing the definition there. I, I think it could have gone stronger, but I don't think it had to on, on that, on what a product actually is.
2: And Don, like, I love your description and especially at the beginning of like you were joking around about the capitalistic viewpoint of it, but the reality of it is if we are focused, everything you said there to me, the, the, all's I kept thinking about is how is our customer receiving what we're, what we're doing, right? And that's to me the the epitome of what we're trying to accomplish, right? So, and there is a correlation. You mentioned uh, something like employee satisfaction. Everybody happy. There's a correlation between employee satisfaction and customer satisfaction. But the reality of it is, we're trying to build a product that somebody receives, and we need to be cognizant of that, right? And uh, so, yep. I, I uh, maybe we should we should we should. Get your definition of product and throw it out there into the world. I liked it. <laughs> well, it's in the book yeah. page. Uh yeah.
0: pick up the professional product owner by Don McGrill and, and Ralph Jokum. And and I think you get you're gonna get look, every product owner should have it on their shelf. Like we yeah. I've got it back here on mine. Todd's got it at his desk. Don, you have a box of them somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, but I mean, it, it's it's a great book and it's one that uh, we always recommend in, in all of our classes. And so I think that's an important one. You know, you guys also brought up the fact that uh, Scrum has now been explicitly defined as not just for software, yeah. which I think is amazing. In fact, here's another comment from the Scrum Guide, another another brief uh quotation here, we use the word developers in Scrum not to exclude, but to simplify. If you get value from Scrum, consider yourself included. I think that's pretty awesome, right? I I think just, this is the version where basically people are saying, man, Scrum is used to solve complex problems. And if that's software, great. If it's HR, great. If it's creative writing, great. You know, if you're getting value from Scrum, you're now in. And I think that's been one of, I think that's also a pretty monumental shift it's not for soft, just for software anymore. And it's, uh, I think that's important. I mean, Don, in, in your line, in your business, I mean, would you say most of your customers aren't really trying to write software?
1: It's true, I mean, we are, we, my company Improving is a software development company. We build software for people. Um, now I'm part of the training and coaching side. And so many of our companies, many of co- many companies come to us and say, we have this initiative, um, we don't have the, you know, people the means to do it would you do it for us we're like sure yeah absolutely we'll do this and in those situations we mostly get to choose how we do it and we choose scrum after trying lots of different things scrum is the thing that's worked out best for us and so we use scrum to build products and then some will come to us and say hey we just need some help and then we'll we'll like if they need some extra programmers or testers or whatever and or even scrum masters um product owners we, we can help with that too and that's the consulting side but then with agile consulting, coaching and training is what we call it. Like the, the goal there is different. The goal is knowledge transfer. They come to us saying, hey, how would you do that? Could you help us do it? And in, and in those situations where we've taken teams to a point where they can do it in the software realm, it started years ago with um, you know the upstream and downstream groups, like maybe marketing or sales that are feeding them some, something or others that are receiving it. They be, start to become the bottlenecks once the software teams start to to do this. So we we started with, um, hey, well, maybe it'll work with marketing. I don't know. And it was our clients saying, I think it's going to. Like, they're looking at what we're doing. They need something. And then I remember being approached early on, like 10 years ago, and, and saying, could you teach this to the marketing group or sales department? And we're like, uh, maybe, but I don't know that much about it. Um, so if, if you guys are okay with that, I am, I'll just, and, and I approached that first, those first training and coaching engagements as, look, here's what we do. Maybe you can help with this and maybe this will, maybe there's some good things about it that you can use, use in your world. And I started to learn more about how they did it and it seemed to work. And I've, since then I've done it with HR and, um, like literally a, a team of geophysicists and geologists and drilling engineers working on an offshore oil rig. And uh, pharmaceutical manufacturing plants, who who have to like do a bunch of stuff for um, uh, in order to get stuff out and met, meeting like FAA guidelines, like that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, FDA mm-hmm. guidelines, and um, so I've done it in so many places. Now I've got the confidence because I see it working out there. Mm-hmm. And yes, now our top three clients, when it comes to agile training and coaching, um, are not software, and it's working. So. So that was a big thing and, and, and we're not the only ones, like my the, the, my fellow panelist Avi Schneier in the uh, in, in yesterday's event, I mean, he's same thing he's seeing, like we're seeing this more and more and it's a much bigger world than software and it does work. There's a lot of people working on complex problems right now and that's what Scrum's sweet spot is. Yeah, it started in software because software is obviously complex, and it's getting more complex, but a lot of other industries are. and And so this applies. And even though I used to like to say, do a search for the word software in the Scrum Guide, you won't find it. See, it's not about software. You still sell words like system, tester, design. I yep. think even architecture might have been in there. And and I heard it from my clients that aren't. When We'd say, read the Scrum Guide, do the assessment, and they would get assessment questions that That uh, were obviously software focused, and and same, and it threw them off. So this one is completely void of that. There's nothing in there that would even sort of guide you to think that this is a a software thing or an IT thing.
2: When I think that's why what you put up, Ryan, when it said uh, the definition of what a developer is, right? So development team was always what I heard was the big, the big, the big sticking point, right? Development team, um, and uh, they, they, people couldn't, uh, couldn't. It, it didn't really relate to them. They knew of the development teams maybe that were in their organization or something like that, but they didn't really see them. You have to really explain where well, you develop You develop a document that at the end of the day goes out and needs to get signed by people in HR, right? Um, and you're not really sure what needs to be in that document because new regulations are coming out constantly, all these things are changing. Um, so, because I've worked with HR too, um, but now I think explicitly, this what what you put up here, Ryan, helps to calm that, right? And I, I think that uh, it's been interesting because I've, I mean, just earlier this week we were talking to and uh, doing some training with a biotech company, right? And they're talking about their their problems and how they're dealing with it, and they're like, you know, it seems like what we do is more complicated, but all around us is complexity. And I'm like, well, then if everything around you is, you're coping with complexity. But you're trying to fit it in this complicated domain. You're probably in the complex domain, right? Like, and so the, like, when's the last time this cha- it changes all the time? And, and you know, and like all these conversations were happening. And yeah. uh, I've had the same conversations with law firms. Oh, I, yeah. I talked to a law firm, and they're like, "We have so many emergent requests, we don't know what to do." And I'm like, oh, "There's this interesting idea about a product backlog where you can." Order them. <laughs> On the same problem. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah right. it, it's funny, Todd. I think about the, the clients and teams we've worked with over the past two or three months. Hardly any of them were writing software, right? We've, we've yeah. worked with marketing firms, biotech firms, I mean, companies building fighter jets. I mean, there, there's all sorts of stuff that, that we've been looking at. I don't think a single one of them recently has been software.
2: I know.
0: I think you're right.
1: So I, I worked with a group that they had to go out and find uh, human. Uh, uh, clinical trial volunteers <laughs> for for new drugs on the market, right? And and they're applying from finance procurement. Um, it, it's it is it, and it works. And at first, like I said, I was very trepidatious about it. But you know, if it's complex and you got a team of people that want to build something, it, it works. Mm-hmm. And the, the the word developer is interesting too, because I said this yesterday in the in the in the Scrum Guide launch. I kind of challenged people as like, think of another word like what and you guys were part of it because because development team was in there for a long time and and and, you know we were all part of a conversation around this is okay so what would we don't want two teams right right so we've got the product owner and the scrum master and for a while it was and then the others (laughs) what what would you call them and the words like maker came out of it and creator which you know those can have wrong connotations um what what would you call them and i saw in the chat yesterday somebody put producer but a producer means something completely different in like the entertainment industry or other industries as well the only people that would have a problem with the word developer are software people people that are around software but I remember years ago, or the number one thing on the the Scrum Guide, user voice, the Scrum user voice thing was to change it from development team to delivery team. Which I was like, that sounds good, right? We deliver, but then think about you're an energy company in 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 upstream and downstream oil. Delivery means something completely different there, yeah. or or in manufacturing, delivery is something else further down the value chain, right? Um, and 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 so it it we think in software one thing but if we're opening this up for the world developer is as good a word as anything we develop a product we're the ones actually creating something and so um then uh, to me i'd rather have that debate of developer doesn't mean programmer to me that's an easier thing to
2: say yeah
1: than trying to make some uh excuse for some other word or team within a team or whatever. well
2: and that's what i think is super brilliant to to go into uh uh, another thing that I think about this guy that is awesome is this notion that development team isn't there anymore, it's developer. And scrum team is the big thing now, right? And for me, uh, I've so personal experience uh, as a scrum master. I've had work to do in a sprint backlog, namely impediment removal. And um, wanting the team, the development team at the time to really own the way that they work I I wouldn't come to the daily scrum, and so I to and this is just an example. Uh, uh, this doesn't have to be the way that you do it if you're watching this video, but I would think that the removal of an impediment that was stopping a, a development team at the time um, from achieving their sprint goal is something that is part of delivering the increment, right? And so, but where do you where in Scrum? It's not expl- it wasn't explicit before. Do you do you get that information on where you're making progress towards that? Right. And so now this 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 notion of the entire Scrum team owning the delivery of the increment and and really instead of subdividing the Scrum team with a development team, they have this awkwardness of a product owner and a Scrum master. And where do they fit in this in this like ecosystem of this self? organizing team now you have a self-managing team uh, with separate accountabilities so I I, I, I I can think of times where it was awkward for me to try to think through how scrum operates as playing any one of the roles you know um, when when things like that were happening uh, and then in the end uh, not really sure how to, how to how to fit my conversation in about where I was with something uh, it it's 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 perfect now. We have whole Scrum team accountability over the increment. Um, yeah. Yeah. So which is which is right. I mean, think about that, that. That to me is a huge change.
1: Some of us used to um, call it the Mickey Mouse um, paradigm, where a lot of us would draw uh, Scrum diagrams like that, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got the development team, and then you got the mm-hmm. product owner and the Scrum master on the extremities. And then things come through them and then they, and this created like whether that was the intent or not, it was not. But then that became the, um, that created a hierarchy, right? Mm-hmm. So if, to, if you want to know how the how the project's going, you talk to the scrum master and they'll give you a report and they'll go to the development team members to talk about. It. If you want to know how the product is going and what should be on there? You go to the product owner. And uh, they'll they'll talk to people and they'll pull something out. If you have a question about the product, as and you're on the development team, of course you have to ask the product owner. They're supposed to know it all, or they go find out from other people. So it created this hierarchy. It created handoffs, and that was never the intent. And you know, a lot of people in the product community—that's um, one of the reasons they didn't like Scrum for that. They, that's the way they saw it. And oh, you only get an increment once a sprint, right? So you got to wait a month, and so. So that was one of the big things. Is like, let's get away from that. We're all together. Like, if somebody on the team focused on the product goal wants to go talk to a customer, and we're yeah. we have a problem with that, we got to fix that relationship before we fix anything about Scrum and that and the way they're they're made up. So we're all on in this together. If the sure. I don't have to go through the product owner for everything. If they, as long as there's trust, you know, if if, if there's some detailed thing that the product owner doesn't need to get involved with, they're not the expert on, why can't I go right to my customer and say, hey, can you sit with me for a bit? Can we work through this? So we're just
2: trying to open up that communication. And that's a good point because like, uh, how many times have you tried to explain that a Scrum Master, Oh, I just knocked my empty bureau, which means it's probably time to get another one soon, if (laughs) if if you're willing to have another one done. But how many times have we had to have the conversation about the Scrum Master and or the product owner not becoming information funnels? I remember that from the first class I ever attended on Scrum over 10 years ago, right? It was like the conversation of product owners, not an information funnel. We don't have to do that as the Scrum guides written right now. We don't have to have that conversation. It's a whole team, um, responsibility for this increment and for different aspects of there's now there's accountabilities in there. Um, so I think that's a, that's a, that's a huge thing. And that, um, I'm still thinking through all of the scenarios in my in my life where that had I had I maybe operated that way and ignored the Mickey Mouse ears, how things might've been a little bit different or how I might've known what my place was a little bit more um, as a product owner and or a scrum master during even something as simple as a daily scrum. Do I show up because I have new information that affects the sprint?
0: You know, it's right? interesting guys. I think one more area Right. Cause I think this collaboration is going to be a good lead in and in, in, into, the, I think, one more area that I think people are having a little trouble with this, the shift from like roles to accountabilities. Mm-hmm. It seems like the word accountable is really scary to people. And I, and that's been a lot of the, you know, there have been a few things that, that, that I've seen on the socials, right? Whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, where people are like, oh no, now we're accountable. And that's, and they, they're, it's almost like, it's almost as bad a word as commitment. Right, where they're, they're kind of freaking out, and I but I saw something and I wanted to share this with you guys and get your thoughts on it because it might help calm things down a bit. I'm gonna we're, we're, we're testing this out, we'll see if this works. But uh, oh, it, it only took Todd out, so that's okay. All right, <laughs> you can go so, get a beer. I'm still,
2: yeah, oh, this is great. This actually is a good moment for me. Leave that okay. out there. I'm gonna get a beer you,
0: can, you crack a beer, you'll go get a beer. I'm gonna talk to Don for a minute about this. You know, people were kind of getting fired up online about uh, the word accountable or accountability. And I, Kent Beck is a, a friend of the show. We're big fans of Kent. He's a great friend, and uh, he popped in with I think something really helpful, right? You know, someone was someone was really and, and I think Jay's a, another you know very positive person online, and was concerned about this blame aspect. And I love the way that Kent answered this: that accountability is the obligation to render account. It is offered as a way to build trust. It is not blame. And I, and I would even extend that a little bit and say it builds trustworthiness, which is what accountability really is about. I don't think it's about the trust. I think it's saying, is Ryan trustworthy? Is Todd trustworthy? Is Don trustworthy? And through accountability as we build that. And I think Kent's idea here, I think it's really important. It's something that I think we're going to teach in our classes that it's, it's a, the accountabilities build the trustworthiness necessary for Scrum to be effective. And I hope people use this message to to kind of calm down about that shift because it's really about collaboration, working together, building this trustworthiness so that we can deliver. It's not about the blame game. It's not about, you know, carrots and sticks. It's more about how do we work together in an in efficient, effective, trust trusting kind of way and building these great environments where we can deliver. What do you think, Don? Is this helpful? Does it Does it kind of capture your thoughts on it as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm reading it here. Let's say it's 2015. So well before this one, when, um, the scrum guy, but I'm trying to make out his first statement. Like, I like what he said there, the one you read, um, the response to Jay, but then he says accountability and a second set of eyes are like magic improvement, fairy dust. And I guess that's cool. I'd seen this before, but I never, that never sunk in, um. But I like that. I mean, I guess so. We we do. I mean, there are a bunch of accountabilities now in the Scrum Guide. Yep. And uh, that one says, and if, if I'm trying to map that to Scrum, hey, Todd. Um, so, so if you think about it, like from the product owner accountabilities, they're accountable for return on investment for value. But there's also a second set of eyes, isn't there? Or a bunch of second set of eyes. Oh yeah. I mean the, the development team should have every right to hold them to that, to keep them in check. And and so should the scrum master, so so should the customer, the stakeholders, yeah, right? Stakeholders, right. Yeah. And and this that was a big part of it. Um the old scrum guide had the word responsibility in there kind of all over the place. It may have said accountability, I don't remember. Um, but in this one, it seems they've, you know, it's 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 a very a much more specific thing, right? Yep. Um and when I researched accountability versus uh, responsibility, it, you know, it, apparently there's a there's a uh, court ruling over this, and it was the whole uh, Enron thing. So Ken Lay, uh, CEO of of uh, Enron, um, his his whole defense was um, he was accountable, but not responsible. So as CEO, everything comes to him. So accountability set with him, but he wasn't responsible for what happened. <laughs> and the court the judge ruled that that's an impossible thing Yep, that you cannot be accountable without also having responsibility. Right. Yeah, sure. So, so that's, that I think applies here, right? It, it, it's up to the, the product owners accountable for the product backlog. It doesn't mean that they have to be, they have to do all the work, but they're ultimately accountable for the outcome of that. Right. And so if they say, hey, okay, team, can you guys just figure this stuff out? Right. They write they acceptance criteria and do whatever and if they end up building the wrong thing they can't just say well i'm not responsible no you're accountable for it so you people you trust get involved as much as you need to um but you don't have to do it all right you've got good skills on the team um that's 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 key so that same with the scrum master they're accountable for the effectiveness of scrum they can't just say, "Well, I made them stand up every day for 15 minutes." It's not my fault that, right? Um, they 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 can't do it for them in their case. Um, but so they they create responsibility. They create they empower others, which is a, another way of saying creating responsibility. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's 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 like it's like a, the Scrum Guide. You know, Ken and Jeff are accountable for it no matter what's in there or where they got their inspiration. Right. Um, The accountability lies with them, but there may have been others that shared responsibility too. Right.
2: So it's it's like, it all kind of ties into it. It's Interesting to think about this because, you know, we were talking about the checks and balances before, because uh, you were, you were talking about that with with a scrum master If the scrum master says, uh, well, I told the product owner that they should be focusing on value, you know, you know, nobody's using our product, but I told them. Right. Same thing, uh, same thing. I was also thinking in like I've had in the past, um, in my coaching endeavors, had development teams that have challenged product owners and said, I don't think what we're doing is valuable. And product owners, you know, I think thinking your Mickey Mouse that you're being involved, that thou shalt, because I'm the product owner, right? I feel like this version of Scrum Guide indirectly answers those questions like it is okay to do the checks and balances it's okay for a development team to say but why are we paying why what are we what's valuable about the sprint it's okay for a scrum master um to uphold scrum i think i don't know maybe maybe it's just the scrum nerds but i feel like it's very different i think this is really going to be awesome for the uh for for the scrum community for a lot of the reasons we're outlining here you know and I got a new beer, by the way. So it's a, it's a, it's the sister of heavy topper. It's called a focal banger. Pretty sweet label. See that? Yeah. Nice. Yep. Hey, well, man. you replaced me with a Kent Beck tweet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I just I, I had seen that pop up somewhere and I thought, you know, this is, this could be helpful because I know accountability gets scary for people. I know commitment gets scary for people, but quite honestly, commitment's not any different than today than it was you know, two days ago before the release of the guide. I don't think a lot has shifted there. I think it's it's a little more refined, but and, and so hopefully after a little bit of time and, and the ability to kind of think and, and huddle up around this, I hope people realize Scrum is still Scrum, right? They did not fundamentally change the framework. And I and I think that's really important to to realize. I mean, it's it's still, you know, the the five events, the three three accountabilities. And the three artifacts, right? I mean, it's it's still the the five three five with with minimal guidance and a framework aspect, and and so it's not it's not morphed into a methodology. We haven't gotten rid of you know the 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 big things that everyone's using today, and so I think that's really important to keep in mind as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like we've been so serious during this craft brew agile talking about the new Scrum guide that I can't help. I I have had a question, done for you all day in my head.
0: Okay. Here we go. Yeah.
2: This is where I just did reality.
0: So wait, hang on,
1: before you start. I I may be responsible. For <laughs> buying you beers, but well, what comes out of your mouth is your accountability. You're accountable no matter what.
2: I, <laughs> you bought me beers? Or no. you <laughs> but me if my I work <laughs> uh,
0: This question is brought to you by hetty Topper. <laughs> yeah. a, a beer no. that loosens up. No,
2: so here, here's an interesting scenario. So, Don, you and I have talked quite a bit over the past couple years. I know you're from Canada, right? Next week is Thanksgiving here in the US. Uh, I'm curious, uh, is that a thing for you now? And if so, like, what, what do you? What's your big thing? with uh, your turkey guy? You know, you dig you're into more like the, the, the sides. Tur-
0: How about
1: the turducken? Turducken, <laughs> yeah. I saw like a turkey Um <laughs> a turkey stuffed with an octopus. Uh, <laughs> that's that's weird. Today. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, Can- Canadians celebrate Thanksgiving on Columbus Day i've been here 20 years so um the same year uh, so my wife and i started seeing each other 2003 and she took me to like a proper american thanksgiving thanksgiving was always my time to go back to canada because i had time off and hang out with family and 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 just but it wasn't like we were celebrating anything just go back because we had holidays in the states because i was living here and in 2003 went there and they did it. like It was just like the movies for Canadians, right? Like this whole Thanksgiving, we, we did our Thanksgiving is just dinner with our immediate family on, on a Monday. Right. It's not it's not what it is here. Um, and, uh, and so that was like huge. It was like master feast and like 40 people. Um, and sleep like in the a chair box. with like an hour yeah, and a half. Football. Yeah. We eat at two o'clock. It's like, man, <laughs> what is going on? This is ridiculous. Um, and and so. I kind of got into it. I like that. I really like uh, American Thanksgiving quite a bit. And now that I'm officially American, as of two years ago, um, I do like it. And we usually, um, once in a while, we go back to Chicago where my wife's from. um, And, uh, or uh, we've done it here a few times. I I deep fried a turkey myself.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: A couple times. That was fun. Do you inject it? uh, Did
2: you you inject it with anything? You
1: ever
2: try that? No, I didn't. No,
1: I didn't. I don't think I injected it. No, but it was a, a rub and everything that uh, I found yeah. that worked really, really well. But yeah, in in like, was it like 30, 40 minutes? I almost burned the place down. But yeah, you know, You've it, ever seen it? It was so 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 like, one like, of my favorite people
2: like burning, like lighting yeah. their house on fire. Oh yeah, <laughs> and
1: and and it was. Like, and I used my old brew, um, my old uh, uh, thing I used to brew beer with, um, which I'd done a couple times too. I, not not a big bird, but I tried doing that, <clears throat> and and so I used that to to do the turkey outside. It was raining, and so I had to do it underneath the ledge, and the whole thing just went. <laughs> but it it was yeah it was it was a lot of fun, and it was the best turkey I've ever had. But anyways, now then we'd go to friends. We got some good friends here in Dallas because we don't have any family in Dallas, uh, no immediate family at all. Uh, but we've got some good friends, and we usually spend turkey uh, turkey day with them. Uh, this year though. Because of uh, circumstance and everything, we might go to our neighbors. Um, uh, but we're thinking now of uh, doing a lamb thing instead. Kind of uh, turns out my wife and I confessed to each other just yesterday that we don't even like turkey. That much. <laughs> 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 so there's a there's a there's a lamb thing I do that I really like. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, like so that's probably what we'll be doing this year. Doesn't how about you, Ryan? How are you how are you doing your turkey this year?
0: I do the same turkey every year, right? So, And I am in charge of cooking the turkey. And so I'm actually cooking it for, so this year due to COVID and everything going on, we're not getting together as a family, which is a huge bummer, but uh, I wanna see my relatives in the future. And so we're, we're taking that drastic step. We're gonna do a Zoom dinner, right? So what I'm doing is I'm cooking the turkey, I'm gonna bag it up, I'm dropping it off at a few houses, and then I'm gonna pick up some sides. So it's all like contactless, we're swapping at the porch. So like my wife's mom is going to make mashed potatoes. Her aunt's doing some bread. And so we're all going to just trade and then we're all going to get home and we've got a big setup with a camera and we're going to, you know, talk to each other and and still have kind of a conversation as we eat over zoom. Um, But the Turkey that I do on the food network, if you, if you Google, or if you search for Bobby Flay's um, herb butter uh, Turkey, we've done this for years. It's like, you take a bunch of butter, you put a bunch of uh, herbs and, and spices in it. You you rub the bird down, you cook it. it. It just comes out great. All that butter and stuff rolls off of it. So the, the meat is super moist and awesome. But then you take everything that's in the pan and you kind of like uh, blend it down into a gravy. That's amazing. And so everybody loves it. So we'll be doing that again this year. And uh, traditional, man, we love the turkey. So we, uh, I'll, we'll have a turkey dinner at around two or three. I'll be asleep by four. <laughs> uh, I'll wake up and watch a little football and uh, play with the kids and have a great day. And I, actually, I hope all the uh, Agile for Humans and Craft Brewed Agile and, and your daily scrum listeners, who whichever feed this is in when it lands, I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving. I hope you're safe mm-hmm. uh, and that you're able to, uh, to have a nice uh, Thanksgiving with those in your current uh, bubble and that uh, everyone just... Uh, you know, follow the guidelines and, and keep it safe. Right.
1: Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. Happy
0: Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Dude, and do you guys want to know what I do with my turkey? I was oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's your turn. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I did all
2: this. Just He's so just waiting for us to stop turkey.
0: talking. so you can <laughs> <that> is. Focus <laughs> is Yeah.
2: I see you did this video thing too, and it's making me blush.
0: All right, it's all on you, folks. Okay, yeah. So, the past four years,
2: I have smoked a turkey and I have arrived at a maple bourbon uh, recipe. So, I brine a turkey in maple and bourbon and then I smoke it for about four hours in maple and peach chips and it comes out with a, and then I glaze it with bourbon and uh, bourbon honey and a little bit of maple syrup.
0: Wow. wow.
2: Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's right. why I, See, that's why I, now I see, I see like fireworks going off in the feed you know <laughs> <laughs>
0: doesn't this new tool do that ryan yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't have the no i don't have the confetti, con- uh, fireworks. confetti. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll fire up mural real quick and we'll get the confetti <laughs> yeah. no that that's how that sounds amazing man yeah i'm
2: pretty excited about it I Although can- I, I, I am a big fan of lamb so I'd love to hear about your lamb recipe. Yeah,
1: if you, if I'll send it to you. It's it's a, it's pretty awesome. I forget where mm-hmm. I heard it from. I think it was maybe an All Recipes thing. I tried and I've been doing a a bunch since then. But it's it's uh yeah, it's a rack of lamb, and mm-hmm. uh, you you bread it with some spices, thyme and stuff. But it's a mustard, Dijon mustard around it before you do it, and then awesome. you you sear it first, and then you throw it in the oven for a while. Yeah, nice. Really good. Well, you sear it. it, then bread it, then throw it
0: in the oven. Well, guys, we're coming up on the hour and yeah. uh, I think that's long enough for a video. I hope people stuck with us and that, you know, honestly, I, I really appreciate that you guys brought out a lot of the nuance of the new Scrum Guide. I think a lot of the common topics have been covered in some great places. Don, you, you guys did a great job yesterday um, during the actual Scrum Guide event, and we'll Thank put a, a link to that. Uh, I think that was super insightful. I hope that uh, we were able to bring some kind of some more information to the more of the nuanced parts, maybe highlight things that others aren't, and that uh, we've helped people really uh, digest and understand what's up with the new guide. I, again, Scrum is Scrum. I mean, it's still uh, it's still the de facto framework to bring empiricism to the forefront. And uh, I think it's just gotten better. I think Todd and Don agree. So, Don, yep. we, we appreciate you joining us, man. We know you're busy. Uh, go ahead and hold your book up one more time. I think every product <laughs> owner should have it, and uh, we want to make sure that, uh, yeah, the professional product owner, it's got to be on your bookshelf. Great well. book! Great book. Yeah. We want to make sure you get our book as well. Fixing. <laughs> right, we're we gonna have to do.
1: Are we gonna have to do second editions now with the new Scrum Guide?
0: I, you know what? If they ask us, we'll do it. So yeah. I, if, if the people demand it, right? I think I think <laughs> sure. uh, the thing's doing pretty good. I'm I'm pretty happy with uh, what we came up with. Um, I actually, I was going through it. I was kind of thumbing through it and I realized not a lot's going to have to change if we were to update it. I think there'd be a new chapter on commitment. There might be a new, uh, section or two on product goal, but everything else I think holds up super well. I, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. So yeah,
1: same old problems, right?
0: Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> we're still going to wake up. We, you know, we all woke up the next day and it's like, wow, companies are failing to adapt. Okay. Let's, let's <laughs> keep working on that. Yeah. Let's write yeah.
2: another book. <laughs> uh, but
0: guys, right, thanks so much, guys. Yeah. I really appreciate
1: it. Uh, to the you, here,
0: it's uh it's craft brewed agile. Here's a lot of the detail for you. We hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, thanks for sticking with us. Smash that like button. So you get updated whenever we, uh, Put a new episode out and uh, check out the books, Professional Scrum Product Owner, uh, Fixing Your Scrum. And uh, we'll catch you next time. You're listening to Agile for Humans with Ryan Ripley. Learn more at ryanripley.com.